This is the Utah Preps Zone, your podcast covering Utah high school football and other sports along the Wasatch Front. I'm Jay Catch. He is Sean Walker, my fearless co-host. He of many hot takes. Sean, how are you, my friend? Jake, other than the fact that I feel like I see you more than I see my own wife, I'm doing pretty well. Well, that's true, though. You see me when you see your wife because we don't know who your wife is. Is this true? I know. She just doesn't know yet. Oh, I see. Okay. We'll talk about this off air. I need to find out who this is because I've been working with Sean for quite a while and I've always interrogated him. And apparently, I, I tell people that I'm already engaged. I just haven't found my fiance yet. Ah, okay. I see. I never told them engaged when. Okay. I see what you're doing. I see what you're saying there. Okay. This has been The Bachelor with Sean Walker. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of bachelors, I know. We had week one of the uh, high school football season this last week. We did. And it is in the books. And I'm trying not to. Okay. I guess right off the top here, Sean, I'm trying not to overreact to one week's worth of high school football, but there are a few things I noticed that were. Interesting. I guess is the easiest way to describe them. Uh, you were out at more games than I was this past weekend. You, of course, were at the Corner Canyon Orem game, most notably. What were kind of your initial takeaways from the opening weekend? Uh, the rich continue to get richer in high school football. I think the more we talk about things changing and new challengers, and there's always a new team that surprises. Somebody does better than, than years past and whatnot. Um, but this this first week, really, I mean, it kind of beat into itself just how much things really do stay the same. I think the top powers are still the top powers. And, yeah, there are teams that are a lot better, um, a lot a lot wiser. You know, maybe they can jump up and snatch a couple more wins this year. But you didn't see a whole lot of change at the very top of each classification. I mean, true. Um, starting right from the very get-go with last Thursday night, defending 4A champ Orem at defending 5A champ Corner Canyon, each of them moving up a classification. Um, every bit, the game that it was hyped up to be, Orem's going to be very, very good in 5A. Corner Canyon's going to be very, very good, even better, I would say, in 6A. Um, I think they're a legitimate contender for the title. Although uh, Lone Peak might have something to say about that mm-hmm. based on the results of uh, their game against another 5A challenger in Tempview. Another great game of the week there. But yeah, I mean, you're still, I mean, we and we haven't even touched on teams like Bingham and East and, and these traditional powers. Uh, Jordan looks like they're back uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, these traditional powers just keep getting better and better and better. And there really is kind of this... Alabama or Clemsonification of Utah high school football this year. Um, it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean there's not going to be some intrigue that, that some teams aren't going to get better and jump up and, you know, come up with a, with a stunning upset here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, again, without overacting too much to just one game of high school football, there's a lot of normal challengers kind of continuing the status quo. I I would agree with that. I, I think you're right. The it looks like at least through one week that the traditional powers look like they have reloaded rather than having to rebuild. And I, I'm still convinced that five A bracket's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch play out this year. I just look at the teams that are in the in that in that division where they kind of line up. Six A will be plenty interesting. I think four A is gonna kinda of be a true uh prove it to me throughout the year type of division. 
But you're, I think what you're talking about those traditional powers that had that were the power structure last year. Looks like they've reloaded and they're ready to go again for another season. Reggie Graff is taking your prove it mentality, and he's going okay. to prove it to fair, you, good sir. Fair enough. Shout out to Reggie Graff and her friends down at Dixie High School. That's true. I I, I can understand that. But uh, looking at the uh, looking at just last week's results, I, I kind of was looking just kind of different scores and stats and whatnot. I thought there were some surprising results. I thought they were pretty close games, but of course there were games that were just completely out of hand. Did you see what Beaver did to Canyon View? Did I see what Beaver did to Canyon View? I mean, we're talking about a Beaver team that's a, a perennial two-way semifinalist, if not finalist, mm-hmm. uh, state champion just a few years ago. Correct. They're not yeah. too terribly far removed. I know it's been longer than two seasons, and that's about the, the memory of most high school football fans in the state. But, yeah. But... uh only I mean, sixty to seven is still decent, though. Well, they only rolled out to a fifty-three nothing halftime lead. That, I've seen worse. Uh, if you're following, namely us, because I went and watched Olympus and Mountain Ridge you this did. past week. We're going to get to that in a minute. Actually, you had an interview from that game. You did see. You saw quite the blow in your own right. But you look at games like that. Beaver fifty-three nothing at halftime. If you're following us on Twitter, and you should at Utah Preps Zone. It's our Twitter handle for this podcast. Uh, we had uh, we were just updating score after score, and that one just was stunning because Beaver was just scoring at will. Had they decided to keep the foot on the pedal, that easily could have been a game in my mind that Beaver scores 100 points, maybe sets the state record for points in a game. It was out of hand early and often, and you don't see that very often with a team from a lower division, even though I know you're right, Beaver is a traditional power, but you don't normally see a team from the 2A ranks jump up and bite a 4A team as badly as they did. Yeah, I think you've got a couple of two A teams that aren't traditional two A teams. You know, obviously with with Beaver and and I mean somebody's got to fill the role that South Summit left True. that void with South Summit moving up to three A and mm-hmm. Beaver looks certainly uh, ready to kind of take up that mantle. But let's also not forget defending one A champ Milford. Correct. Um, Bryson now Bonds, man. now at two A going on the road and really just destroying that same South Summit team. Bryson Barnes, five touchdowns on the night and the 38-9 win. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Tigers are also another team, another one of those small school teams that are definitely capable of punching above their weight, to use yes. the old cliche. No, absolutely. And you said you were at the game uh, where Olympus just absolutely whacked Mountain Ridge. That It's not that surprising to see a brand new school come out and get beat, but to see them get as beat as thoroughly as they did, a little bit surprising there. Yeah, Olympus looks every bit. I mean, we talk about contenders in 5A. I think you need to start with Corner Canyon for obvious reason, but I think Mm -hmm. Olympus just looks like they are ready to pick up and carry on from where they left off last year. This is a team that didn't lose until the state semifinals, uh, undefeated regular season, and and I think a lot of – I think that a lot of people are overlooking the Titans in some ways and maybe overlook them uh, Be at, at your own mercy. Correct. I would agree with that. I, I just, and even this weekend, Sean, we even had double and triple overtime games. Like, talk about week one for the... For Cedar the, Valley, so close to getting that first win. Well, I, I wanted to talk about the new schools here in a minute. We're going to get to that in the next segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the struggles of new schools, because all four of the new schools did lose, but Cedar Valley looked like the be- best of the bunch. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but I wanted to talk about... So we had a triple overtime thriller between Delta and San Juan. I uh, went three overtimes. Uh, Cedar and Spanish Fork uh, went to, I think, just one overtime. I believe we had one other overtime game. This week one 
was all over the was all over the place. We had blowouts, we had thrillers, we had new schools showing up and getting blitzed, other new schools showing up and actually showing, hey, we got some fight in us. It was a pretty thorough whatever you want from from a first week of high school football, you had everything you could have hoped for if you were looking for it. Yeah, you, you really did. I mean, you really did have just a little bit of everything um, from the north on down to the south, from 2A on up to 6A. Um, and again, even as the rich continue to get richer and things don't look like there's a lot of change at the top, there's still just enough intrigue that we're going to be tuning in all year. I would agree with that. And it will be kind of interesting to see how things shake out. I wanted to run down to a game, though, that I thought was an absolute thriller that kind of got overlooked, Sean. Scoreline. Ridgeline, 58. Pineview, 56. Jovessa DeMooney carried the ball 25 times for 198 yards. He scored five touchdowns for Ridgeline, but he was countered on the other side by Pineview's quarterback. And if you know about Pineview, their offensive coordinator is one Gary Croton, if I'm not mistaken still. Well, there's a last name at quarterback for Pineview that sounds mighty familiar. McLeod Croton. Only went for 482 yards and seven touchdowns through the air. Yeah, more than 1,200 yards of total offense in this one. So, Jake, I don't know if you're a betting man. I certainly am. Maybe a lot of people listening to this podcast aren't necessarily a betting man. Um, I hope not. At least don't bet on high school sports. Don't be like me. But uh, if you were going to take the the over on one game, uh, definitely take the over on this one, on Ridgeline and Pineview. Yeah. That's a lot of offense. It is a lot of offense. It was a throw that went back and forth. That was in regulation. That wasn't even an overtime game. So fascinating weekend all in all. Um, Sean, I wanted to talk about some individual players that stood out to me. I'm going to start off with Nate Ritchie. Holy smokes, Does he, is he just a ball player? What can this kid not do? I mean, he's a safety, he's a running back, he catches the ball out of the backfield. Um, he's the Knights, he's Lone Peak's Wildcat quarterback at times. Uh, punt returner, kick returner. Oh, and by the way, he's also the kicker. So essentially, we have a clone of Eric Weddle and Taysom Hill. Essentially. If you, if, you put, if you put those two together in, in a way, and you'd have what Nate Ritchie does for Lone Peak. Yeah, Nate, Nate Ritchie and uh, Little Damuni Raider, Raider Damuni for Tenfew, uh, single-handedly the two of them put on a massive yes. show in Lone Peak's 30-20 to 20 win last Friday night that you guys saw on live.ksl.com. That was our uh, High School Rewind mm-hmm. game of the week there. And Ritchie by himself scored the final 10 points of the game. The game deciding 10 points by himself, literally with the last touchdown, um, the uh, the the PAT and then a uh, and then a pick six yeah. there to to seal it. Fascinating, and he's a great player. He's worth the price of admission. You mentioned the name Raider Demuni. That kid is a threat on both sides of the ball in his own right for Timview. Yeah, uh, BYU commit. I think three star. I'm just gonna call him an athlete. I think he's technically yeah. a DB right now, but he's a kid that you can really see slotting in anywhere in the secondary. Maybe some flash linebacker. Maybe even playing some wide receiver. He's played offense certainly in before in the past. Uh, he is the, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know the Namuni clan better than I do, but I believe he's the son of uh, current BYU director of football operations, Jack Damuni. Yeah, Jack's son is Raider. We also mentioned another Damuni earlier, Jovessa Damuni, Wanga Damuni, who is Jack's brother. He's the director of football ops for Utah, Utah State. State. Yep. His son, Lavani Damuni, if you remember a couple years ago, went to Stanford. Jovessa is his brother. So there are Damunis all over high school football in the States. We have two of them this year. 
apparently both are pretty dang good players. Yeah, Hawaii's loss is uh, Utah's gain <laughs> yeah. in this case. All of these Damunis moving of Maui from in the islands yeah. to the state of Utah um, and just showing out across the state, school, across school, across school. Absolutely. Uh, a couple other players I wanted to mention uh, included Scotty Edwards. You saw him firsthand. Five touchdowns in the route, that the hurt that Olympus put on Mountain Ridge. 21 points the first three times this Sheesh. this kid touched the ball. Well, I guess the first four times um, because one of them was a sack. Oh, nice. But he also had a pick six. He had a rushing touchdown. Um, and then, uh, and then he had another touchdown, I believe, as okay. well as a sack, sack mixed in there for good measure. Um, he left the field shortly before halftime. Did not return after the half. Well, when you go up as big as they were, I don't blame I mean, them. Forty-nine nothing at that point, I think it was. Yeah. So, I, I, all in all, some great performances individually. Anybody else you wanted to mention before we take our first time out here, Sean? Oh, I could give a shout out to like half the state. I mean, and you did on, on our, you already did on our review podcast. If you guys listened to that one on Saturday, Sean had quite the list. It was, and it was, you ran through that bad boy quick. I mean, Isaac Zimmerman from East, a quarterback who had uh, four total touchdowns, I believe, in a 47 14 win over Snow Canyon. Correct. Uh, he was a little bit of a dude out there. Um, you've got, we've already mentioned Nate Ritchie and Raider DeMooney, but I mean, they were so good. Let's just give them another shout out because yeah. worth, absolutely worth the price of admission in that case. We, you mentioned Scotty Edwards from Olympus, who's going to be a guy that you're going to want to, uh, to keep watching. Um, and, uh, actually I'm going to give it, let's give a special shout out really quick. Okay. Sophomore kicker from Layton high school playing in his first ever varsity game comes up big. I'm talking about Porter Hansen from Layton kicks a 33 yard field goal with 10 seconds left to, uh, to lift the Lancers to a 10 to nine upset victory over skyline. Again, his first ever high school game. And he, uh, goes down, kicks the PAT after the only touchdown of the game. Then, successfully completes a perfectly placed onside kick and then nice. marches down with his team in the final minute to kick the game winner from 33 yards out with 10 seconds left. So shout out to Porter Hands in the lead. Absolutely. Good good on you. All right, Sean, we'll take a time out here. I mentioned I wanted to talk about the new schools. You had an interview you did with Mike Mifu, the new head coach at Mountain Ridge, uh, former West Jordan head coach. We're going to talk about those new schools next. You'll hear from Mike Mifu kind of about getting this program started from the ground up. It's a little... Probably a little tougher than I think a lot of people expect at the high school level. We'll talk about that next, right here on the Utah Preps Zone. Welcome back to the Utah Preps Zone. Of course, Sean, we are brought to you by our title sponsor on the podcast for the time being, and that is our good friends at John Watson Chevrolet. I'll tell you a little bit more about what they're offering our listeners. You probably heard them on the pre-roll coming into this podcast. But Sean, we talked about right before the break about how tough it is for new programs to get going. We have four new high schools in the state this year. Providence Hall, I think, surprised everybody with their surprise announcement that they were adding a football program. Then we had three other high schools that opened up. And let's just put it this way. There's a lot that goes into starting a football program. Yeah, there is. I mean, we've gotten a little bit, uh, 
I think, spoiled the last couple of years with new schools and the way they've just jumped into being immediately competitive within, Ice the, Sky res- Ridge. Yeah, within the respective classifications. The, that's not the norm, though. I mean, Sky Ridge was drawing on kind of some generational talent at Lehigh when they Correct. split and did what they did, going to back-to-back Class 5A state championship games in their first two years. Uh, a little bit before that was Corner Canyon, which goes to the uh, state semifinals, I believe, in the second year of existence after struggling a little bit just for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so that's that's another one that if I think go, spoil us. If you go a little further back, even Syracuse. Syracuse went 0-10 the first year they were a school. They, were li- they didn't have any seniors that went to the high school, so they played all sophomores and juniors. The next three years after that, though, Sean, they were like state semifinalists, if not finalists, like immediately afterwards. They had one year... Bump and skid, 0-10, but then they're right into it. So you're right. We have been kind of blessed with some of these new high schools really hitting the ground running. This year, at least through one week, looks like it might be a little bit of a bumpy road. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just it's hard to start a program from start. From, from from scratch, from start mm-hmm. to finish. I mean, between putting together a coaching staff, trying to bring in kids. I mean, let's not forget that when you're when you start up a brand new high school, um, for the first year or so, enrollment boundaries kind of go out the window in a lot of ways because a lot of kids that are already enrolled in school, they do have the option of staying at the school that they're currently at um, and finishing their career or going over to the new high school. There, there is that option given. It's not an issue of, you know, coaches recruiting and that sort of thing. Um, and so if you're if you're at a stable program with a with a stable sports schedule, say a team that maybe won a state title to a state football title mm-hmm. just two years ago and has been to the state semifinals and in four of the last five years, hi Harriman, um, <laughs> you know maybe it can be really really hard to try to get your top level talent to come with you and start a new tradition and a new program and, and new classes and get to know new classmates and new coaches and a new offensive system, a new weight room. Even if you can Correct. even get a weight room, that is high mountain Ridge. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it's just, it's so hard to just to build something from scratch that I think that gets overlooked a lot with some programs that do happen to have immediate success while others just struggle for the first bit. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what we're going to get to here in just a minute. The f- the four high schools that opened their doors or started a football program this year, all they went 0 4 this past weekend. The most competitive of the four was Cedar Valley. They staged a 29 point rally in the fourth quarter against Maple Mountain before the Golden Eagles were able to stop them. Ended up 51 to 35, if I'm not mistaken. And hats off to the Aviators. That's a great showing in your first game. The other teams. Providence Hall, Mountain Ridge, Crimson Cliffs—they all got handed, handled pretty, pretty well. I, I know Crimson Cliffs scored the first touchdown against Manti, but then the Templars just took care of business from there. So it, it does take a lot out of these guys. But uh, you had a chance to catch up with Mike Mayfu, the head coach of Mountain Ridge, of course, formerly of West Jordan. He's a West Jordan alum. He had led the Jaguars program and did some good things with West Jordan. But now he's leading Mountain Ridge and trying to rebuild this program. And you had an interesting conversation with him after that 56 nothing shutout. Yeah, and you can hear it right from the get-go. Uh, Coach Mifu just talking about how hard it is to start up that program. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to former Snow College defensive lineman, Mike Mifu. How cool is it, I guess, just to see kind of what you've been building all summer, all through the offseason, kind of what you've been preparing to put out on the field, really just to get to this point, kind of this foundation to launch from. How cool is that for you to see? It was really cool. Um, It's been hard. 
just logistically starting a new program, not having facilities. You know, this is our first week practicing on the field. Um, you know, been at a middle school. I mean, it's it's awesome to come out here, finally play a game. You know, there's so many unknowns. You know, we don't know any of the kids. A lot of the kids, every single kid that started tonight, both sides of the balls, that hasn't played a varsity snap before today. And and so we're, we've got a lot of youth. Um, but what I love about our kids, they've come to work every day, you know, and, and they've gotten better and better and better, and they competed today. Obviously, we've got a long ways to go, um, but we're going to get there, and, and the kids that we have are the right ones, um, and so, so that I'm real proud of. And, and just, yeah, being out here, um, getting out on the field it is it's good, you know, and then we can evaluate film and and get better from here. So and a really really good film to evaluate against a team. I mean, a top ten team like that in Olympus. Oh no getting doubt. Getting them to come out here, that's got to be a really good learning experience for those kids too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, Olympus is a great program. Aaron's done a great job. I mean, they've won, they've lost one game and right, you know, all last year in the semifinals. So they're a great program, and yeah, hats off to them. Um, you know, I really test our kids, and it doesn't get any easier next week. We've got another big physical team and, and stuff. So um, it's just all about us getting better and working our technique and, and everything else like that. And so that's the stuff that we're going to look at. Are, are the kids doing the stuff we're coach, um, the techniques that we're teaching, and, and we'll get better from there. You guys are really jumping into to non-region play and then a very tough region. Was that kind of the point with some of your kids to say, hey, I'm not going to go easy on you, I'm not going to let up? Like, we're going to jump into the fire yeah. uh, and, and see what you guys are made of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, you know, there's some guys that will schedule easy teams. You know, I, I, I want to challenge kids and see what they're all about. Um, we, know, we know what battle we're facing. And um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got some good, tough teams. Um, so we'll just keep working. Obviously, the, the the football on the field is obviously your number one priority. Um, and maybe you maybe you'll just credit somebody else for this stuff. But when you talk about starting a new school, building a new program, that kind of thing, there's also other stuff that you look at, like how is the student body going to respond? What kind of mm -hmm. traditions do we want to create right. with this program? That sort of thing. Is, is that? kind of something that's maybe in some ways just as important as what's on the field for you guys is kind of building just the overall culture, I guess, yeah. of the program. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing is just creating a culture for the school. You know, in, in my opinion, it starts with the football program um, because obviously this is the first time our entire student body's been together. Um, and so, yeah, being able to create that culture and just do things the right way. Um, yeah, I, I think it's huge and you know, the turnout's been great. The community support's been great. Um, you know, so it's, it's good to come out here, especially week one at home, get everybody here and, and involved. So. I know from your previous stop, you've been on this side of the valley for a while. So I, I know you kind of know sort of the population boom that's been happening out in this area. And it seems like this high school is one that... I guess you could talk about long-awaited for an area that's only like a half dozen years old. This yeah. has sort of been long-awaited. Is, yeah. is this really a community pride kind of something that's like, hey, now we really do have something of our own to, to support and to come out and, and to, yeah. put, to put out there? Yeah, well, and that's and that's been kind of the thing all, all off-season without having a school built and new program. Like, in this area, it's not – I mean, I live out here, um, so I know full well um, – 
you know, uh, the growth out here. And it's really just like, this is real, like getting people into the stands, our field, our school, it's beautiful. Um, so I think now it, it kind of brings that this is real. Um, and, and yeah, we can, and we can build from there. There you go. Mike Mifu, head coach of the Mountain Ridge Sentinels. And Sean, I, I think he was speaking from the heart there. I think that's the easiest thing we can say. There's been a lot going on. Their weight room equipment didn't show up on time. They've been trying to get onto a field to even practice has been a struggle because it hasn't been installed for very long. I think that highlights a lot of the different challenges that a first-year coach of a brand-new program is facing, especially at the high school level. Yeah, and things things get better. I mean, we're we're one week into the existence for these these four schools, Mountain Ridge included. So things are definitely uh, going to get better. They will improve. It's just sometimes it takes a little bit of time and effort and grit and and dirt. You know, you really got to roll up your sleeves and and kind of remember why you got into coaching or why you started playing football. Um, it it just it takes a little bit of time. Um, but fortunately for these these new programs, I mean, I think time is something that they definitely have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks to Mike Mifu for talking with Sean Walker. Of course, we'll have more interviews like this in the coming days and weeks. We'll talk to media members, coaches, players. There'll be plenty of featured stuff right here on Utah Preps Zone, and we're looking forward to doing that going forward. All right, Sean, we've done a lot of review looking back. Should we look ahead? Let's look ahead. All right, we'll do that next. We'll look ahead to week two in Utah high school football. This is the Utah Preps Zone podcast. This is the Utah Preps Zone podcast. I'm Jay Catch. He is Sean Walker. Thanks for joining us. We are brought to you by John Watson Chevrolet right up there in Ogden. If you need a great deal on a Chevy, stop on by. They are the proud sponsors of the Utah uh, Northern Utah High School Player of the Week Award, which is presented each week on the Zone Sports Network. Stay tuned for that. This past week, Jace Holt from Ogden High School was the Northern Utah High School Player of the Week. Sean, he went 7 of 9, so good passing numbers, for 263 yards and four touchdowns. You know what we call that in the college football game? Chunk plays. That's a lot <laughs> yeah. of chunk plays. Yeah. I don't even know what that translates to on like 263 yards on seven completions, but a lot of touchdowns. And congratulations to Jace Holt and the Ogden Tigers on their big week one win. Ogden has had a great story, really kind of rising from the ashes. Well, you got, did that's, you do the math? That's approximately 109 yards per completion. 263 divided by seven? That's got to be. Wait, hold on. That's the thing you did like, hold on, like cut three. That. Hold on, cut that. Cut that. <laughs> Let's try 263 divided by seven. That's, uh, okay, 300, wait, sorry, 37.5 yards per completion. Oh, my gosh. That's, so that's chunk play. That's a 40-yard bomb almost yeah, every play. that's a chunk play. Holy smoke. So congratulations to Jace Holt and the Ogden Tigers. That's a fantastic story. That team really rebounding in recent years from what was a lengthy, lengthy losing spell. Uh, so congratulations to Jace Holt on the Northern Utah High School Player of the Week Award for Week 1. We'll be doing this each week. We'll make sure to mention them. But remember, John Watson Chevrolet. If you're looking for a used car, a new car, stop by there in Ogden. They have the best deals around. Check them out. Yeah, and let's start right with Ogden as we head up north and kind of work our way down the Wasatch mm-hmm. Front. Because Ogden suddenly looks like a little bit of a contender in a in a fairly wide open Class 4A, uh, 4A classification. Correct. Um, right now. But we're going to find out really quick, i.e. this Friday, if they are truly a contender in that classification. I agree. Um, They've got a pretty tough game going on the road at Morgan this Friday at 7 p.m. 
Morgan has pretty much everybody back from a team that was very good a year ago. So yeah, you're right. And Ogden, of course, is the bigger school. They're the 4A ranks. Morgan resides in 3A. Watch out for the Trojans. No, this is this is a Morgan team that plays up a level. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're going to be ready to go. And that's going to be a good game, actually. Because if Jace Holt d- d- does what he did this past week, talk about a barn burner. Yeah, it could be a lot of fun. Um, but let's rewind a little bit. Okay. Let's, let's start up north with our Thursday night game of the week. Of course, one game every Thursday brought to, brought to you by uh, our good friend Tony Parks and some other group that we don't need to name there. Some guy named Alema. Yeah, that they don't don't sponsor this podcast, so we won't mention them. Some other guy named Dave. But, you know, we can be bought. Some call letters, K, J, Z, Z. We can be bought, guys. Shh, shh. We can be bought. (laughs) We can be bought. Uh, Viewmont at Davis, the Thursday night game of the week. This Mm -hmm. one, two teams that are still looking for their first win after competing in what I thought were two of the better, at the very least, two of the tougher uh, games of the week. Um, Viewmont, of course, falling 27 to 20 to rival. Can I say rival still Northridge? They, they had a little bit of a yeah. rivalry Absolutely. back in the day. Yeah. Um, and then Davis on a very, very similar losing end of a uh, 14 to 10 loss to a very good Harriman team in week one. So these, these are two teams that are 0 one, but not all 0 one teams on this week two of the season are created equally. And Correct. I think these are two of the better clubs that reside under on the wrong side of that 500 mark. Yeah. Harriman is a team that's going to grind at you. And they just, they ground down Davis scored 14 points and ran out of there with a 14 to 10 victory. That's what Harriman does. So if you're Davis, you shouldn't feel bad about that result. Yeah, that's they, Dustin Pierce football. They, they do it to everybody. So don't feel bad about that. And you also mentioned the fact that Viewmont had a narrow loss. If you want to watch one of the top prospects in the state in terms of just college recruiting, Alex Harrison's your guy in this game. Yeah, arguably the best offensive lineman here in the state. He's probably the best offensive lineman here. In this in recruiting class this year, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and, and definitely up there. I mean, even in the rankings, he's up there. He's being talked about on almost the same level as guys like Noah Sewell, Van Fillinger, um, et cetera. Obviously not as sexy of a position. No offense mm-hmm. to my offensive line friends, but you guys know it's not the sexy position. You're not going to get all the highlights. But you this toil kid, and anonymity yeah, as this, an offensive Yeah, this lineman. kid can absolutely play, and he's worth the price of admission on this uh, single game week. Yeah, so you can watch that. It should be a lot of fun. Another game up north, Sean, I'm actually excited for. I think it's flying under the radar. It's the battle for the spike. Bear River at Box Elder. That excuse me, sir. The 99th battle for the, the 99th this year. Okay, we are on the verge of a centennial. All right, sweet. I'm excited for this game. It's always a good game. These are two longtime rivals. They got a lot of pride at stake. These are two of the communities up north that take a lot of pride in their high schools. Speaking of Tremont for Bear River, and of course Brigham City for Box Elder High School. Should be a fun game. Yeah, and of course, Bear River coming in on the backs of a 27-14 to win over Juan Diego, mm-hmm. which I think probably makes them the favorite in this one, although don't tell that to any of my friends from Box Elder because they won't like that. Obviously putting in a very, very good showing uh, with a four-point loss to Kearns last week. Nothing to be ashamed of there. Yeah. Um, but I'd probably tip my hat a little bit in the favor of the Bears coming up to this one, but it's not enough, I think, to skew this rivalry. No. And really, you got to throw points out the window whenever these two teams come together. Keep an eye on Ren, Ren Fonisbeck. He's the quarterback for Bear River. Great player, dual-threat quarterback. All right, Sean, where else are we going? Um, let's go to a uh, north team that's coming down to the south. 
Okay. Shall we? One that I really like, a team that kind of caught my eye a little bit um, last week, hanging very, very tough in a 28-31 loss to Brighton. I'm talking about Fremont, the Silver Wolves. Mm -hmm. Two words, not one. Now it's two words. Correct. Um, There's a media blitz in there. Heading to Utah County to play at Salem Hills. Uh, 1-0 Salem Hills, fresh off a win over Mountain Crest. This could be, I think, a very sneaky game here and a chance for Fremont to come away with their first win of the season um, despite that tough loss a week ago. Yeah, Salem Hills is a team that perennially flies under the radar, especially in Utah Valley and I think just the high school community as a whole. But they are a, they're a solid program. That's the, easiest thing I can say, the nicest thing I can say about them because they each year, they're always a team that is, they're tougher than they look. I think a lot of people look at them, oh, that's a win at Salem Hills. They're, they're, not, they're nothing. No, they're not. And Syracuse is going to have their work cut out for them, so I'm interested. I think you're right. That's a game that maybe not a lot of people will pay attention to, but it could have some fun fireworks in it. Um, just kind of rapid fire okay. through a couple more. We talked about Kearns jumping out to a 1-0 start. Uh, chance to move 2-0 as they travel to the new school, Mountain Ridge, which once again, thanks, Mike, for joining us in the last segment. Correct. If you didn't hear that, just rewind the podcast a little bit. That's the beauty of the internet. <laughs> if you skipped to this section, I'm surprised you did that, but hey, thanks anyways. Uh, Leighton at Brighton, another game that I'm really looking forward to as mm-hmm. we kind of move away from northern Utah some, but, um, but this is a game that I think think if you're in the Salt Lake Valley and you're just looking for a good game to go to, you're pretty much down to going out to Cottonwood Heights for the Bengals hosting Layton um, or what I think is the game of the week, Lone Peak at Jordan. Two teams that like a lot of offense. We spoke mm-hmm. about Nate Ritchie uh, two segments ago on this podcast. Look, the do-it-all guy himself who can score even when he's on defense. <laughs> um, and, and this Jordan team that is... I mean, I think the best way to describe that offense is explosive, just an extremely explosive offense. That'll be a really, really good game to look forward to there. I'm with you on that. And Jordan isn't necessarily thought of as as high scoring since Eric Kerr left the program, but they've put up plenty of points, even with him now at Corner Canyon. And of course, you mentioned Nate Ritchie. It's it's like, should we call him the Nate Ritchie-ites down there at Lone Peak? The Ritchie-ites? The Ritchie-ites, because... The Knights, okay, great. You're the Knights, but it seems like Nate Ritchie does everything for that program, and that's and that's not to like denigrate anybody else in that program. There's plenty of great players there. They've put out plenty of great talent. Jason Hansen is very disappointed with you right now. Probably is, but still, it's just fascinating to watch a guy like Nate Ritchie dominate as much as he does at the level he does. It, it's it is so much fun to watch. Uh, Sean, one game I wanted to mention going back north, just real quick. You said we're kind of going rapid fire here. Farmington at Syracuse. Farmington has Wyatt Evertson, and he's probably a quarterback that many people haven't heard the name of, but he last week for Farmington in their 47-7 blowout win over Tippinogas tossed four touchdown passes. Wyatt Evertson is everything you think a high school quarterback who is a star is supposed to be. He's 6'4", 6'5", just a tall big-armed quarterback, and he gets it done. And he's being coached by Daniel Coates, a Northern Utah legend in his own right in the high school ranks. Yeah, 11-22, 242 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Wired Everton is a, he's got a Division One body already and mm-hmm. a potential Division One mindset at Correct. quarterback. Uh, he's just got to work on keeping himself under control some. He did throw three picks last week against the Timberwolves because he can speed himself up a little bit too mm-hmm. much. Um, I know some, that's something that Daniel Coates, that I actually spoke with Daniel Coates a little bit last year, um, that he's got to kind of learn to, to sort of get out and just trust his teammates a little bit more and, and maybe hold on to some balls. Um, 
don't try to make a play happen on every single down, but just kind of move forward some. But he's got all of the tangibles right there to be a Division One si- signal caller. It's just a matter of using kind of the rest of this year to get into the right frame of mind, and I think you could see him playing on Saturday. Absolutely. A couple other quick games to get to, Sean. One that features a Northern Utah team going all the way down to St. George, Roy at Dixie. This could be a fun game. Fred Fernandez, one of the all-time legends in Utah high school football, has revitalized the Roy Royals, and they're going to face off against the Dixie Flyers. And Dixie, proud program who just traditionally churns out solid season after solid season after solid season. Yeah, I mean, 4A is a wide-open classification right now, but I would venture to say Reggie Graff, Dixie quarterback, who does a little bit of everything there, uh, probably the frontrunner would be the MVP of that classification. This this guy, just he just scores. He just gets results. He can throw. He can pass. um, He can run. He can, I mean, he can catch balls even. (laughs) He's a a really good baseball player, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, as well. So, yeah. and, and as long as he's there, I think he's going to have Dixie in contention in that classification. And we'll see if they can make a little bit of noise against a larger school headed south of the border. And then one, one going south and to north. And by border, I mean the point of the mountain. Point of the mountain, yeah, sure. <laughs> and one that's going south to north, Sean. This is a contrast to the offensive styles in this game. Pineview at Highland. Who will hold the ball for longer? Highland, guaranteed, because Pineview is all about let's score points. We don't care how quick it takes. Highland, on the other hand, runs that triple option, that flex bone under, uh, under their, in their system. It's going to be fascinating to watch these two contrasting styles go head-to-head. Yeah, shout-out to Coach Brody Benson, who might have uh, like 75% of possession in this game, but I don't know <laughs> if I can call them that much of an overwhelming favorite no. against Pineview because no. <laughs> obviously a Gary Crowton offense doesn't need a whole lot of time to yeah. score. McLeod Crowton, 482 <laughs> yards and seven touchdowns in regulation, folks, last week. Yeah, they, they score points and they score in a hurry, um, and that possession advantage Highland will almost assuredly undoubtedly put up. Might not matter very much. Absolutely. Well, then one other game I wanted to mention here, Sean, is Timview at American Fork, a Utah Valley battle between tr- two traditional rivals. This could feature a lot of fireworks in its own right. Yeah, this is the Brandon Gurney game of the week. If you're a the Utah- Brandon Gurney game of the week. I love it. That's where we're going to title this from if now on. If you're a Utah County football fan and you just need a good game, uh, maybe you're like me, you're a Provo High alum, and, and you don't want to go watch them host a team like Westlake just because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> go buy a $5 ticket. Um, and check out Tim View and American Fork right up there on Caveman Boulevard. This is an AF team that I think is going to be sneaky good through the first couple weeks of the season because they did lose a substantial senior class last year. There's no doubt about that. But they've got talent and dudes and a couple guys who are already committed to the Y. Yeah. Um, in their uh, backfield, both offensively and defensively. They do. Um, because you mentioned your alma mater, i got to mention the battle for Orem before we go. Timpanogos and Mountain View doing battle. This game was actually originally scheduled to be played at Timpanogos. Apparently, there's some turf issues on Timpanogos' field, so they have shifted it back to Mountain View. Uh, Mountain View will not face Orem. Turf issues, sure. I don't know. Sure. You want to know an interesting tidbit about this? Orem and Mountain View, the true traditional rivals in the city of Orem, will not face each other this year. Well, of course not. They're in different classifications. But they, they've been in different classifications over the, in the past, and this will be the first time they haven't faced off in a long, long time, if not every season since Mountain View opened, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I'm sure there's a reason for that. 
Oh, there is. There always is. There always is. But there you go. Uh, any other games you want to mention before we wrap this thing up, Sean? <laughs> um, I think that's pretty good. Maybe a little bit of love to small schools. Park City at Juan Diego. A little small school love if you're into that. That could be a lot of fun. Jack Skidmore is a, the quarterback up there at Park City. And then there's a kid playing for Juan Diego who is, uh, is it Xavier Carlton. A four-star defensive end prospect playing for Juan Diego. His yeah. dad is a former Utah star. He's getting love from West Coast teams up and down the coast. Number three overall prospect in the Correct. state, even for a guy who recently moved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's right up there on the level of like Corner Canyon's Van Fillinger or uh, even Noah Sewell from Orem getting that kind of love and Correct. that kind of hype from several big-time Division One colleges, uh, USC among them and, and a couple of others um, that I won't go into name. But, uh, yeah. Uh, also, if you like small schools, Payson at Manti should be a lot of fun. We should give it. Special shout out to our friends over there in Eastern Utah because I know there are plenty of you who listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, you can head up my burner Twitter account at PK Kenahan and tell me that we should talk about your school more often. That was Patrick Carr. <laughs> Patrick Carr underscore. Come on. At, at PK Kenahan. Uh, PK Kenahan. Okay, cool. All right, we'll go with that. All right, Sean, any final thoughts from you? Any parting wisdom before we wrap up this week's edition? Uh, stay excellent to each other. And as always, send Demas High School Football Rules. Very nice. All right, we'll catch you guys soon. This has been the Utah Prep Zone Podcast.